Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Do you need heavy equipment or farm equipment? Look no further than Southern Equipment and Parts in Laurel. We have a wide selection of new and used equipment from many top brands. We also offer parts, service, and rentals. Whether you're a contractor, farmer, or just need help around the house, we have what you need. Southern Equipment is your one-stop shop for all farm and heavy equipment. Visit us at 5237 Highway 84 West and southernequipparts.com or call 601-651-4555. Free record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two. Roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. All right, let's go. Last show of 2022 on the Super Talk Eagle Hour. We're glad you're tuned in around the state, whatever station uh, you choose, or whether you hear us online every day. We appreciate uh, you being a part of our program. Last show of the year. Who better to have on the show than the Dean of Sports Writers of Mississippi, Rick Cleveland? He's going to be joining us uh, in just a few moments, and then a little little later in the show, I should say, we'll have the play-by-play guy, uh, the voice of Appalachian State University, and uh, they get ready to play tomorrow. His name, of course, is Matt Present. Golden Eagles win last night, uh, first conference game in the Sun Belt, a 64-60 win over Troy. The ladies on the road win in dramatic style, come from behind 77-75 win over Troy, so a great night for Golden Eagle basketball uh, to start uh, their entrance into the Sun Belt, and we're going to talk a lot more about that later in the show. Opening segment sponsored by Dickey's Barbecue Pit, proud supporters of Southern Miss Athletics, and our program, we're happy to say, and we always encourage you to enjoy good food at Dickey's seven days a week. Southern Bank Course Studios in Hattiesburg and Laurel, that's where we're broadcasting this afternoon, and We bring on to the show Rick Cleveland, no stranger to the Eagle Hour and no stranger to anybody who's a sports fan in Mississippi. I think uh, the undisputed dean of sports writers uh, in Mississippi uh, history, really. And, uh, Rick, it's always a pleasure to have you on our show. It's good to be with y'all. All All right, Rick, here's the uh, question of the day, last show of 2022. One, the biggest sports story in Mississippi in 2022, the biggest sports story in Southern Miss – Sports, And here's what I'm going to say, and I want you to tell me if I'm right or wrong. I think the biggest sports story at Southern Miss was the baseball team, hosting a conference, winning a regional, hosting a super regional. And conversely, the biggest story in the state, it would seem to me, was the ability of Ole Miss to come here and win the regional and then go on to win the College World Series. Am I right or am I wrong? I had that exactly the same way. I had uh, the biggest story in the state was was Ole Miss winning the College World Series, and, and particularly in the way they did it. You know, at one time they were twenty two and seventeen, and then uh, just got as you know said it a million times in college baseball. It's all about playing your best at the right time, and boy, did they! Uh, and then Southern Miss, you know, they win the Conference USA Championship. They win 47 regular season games. They beat LSU in their own regional and then hosted the eventual national champion in the Super Regional. It doesn't, you know, it, 
at Southern Miss, it's not going to get much better than that. That was a great, a great, great baseball season, and hats off to Scott Berry and and just the way they continued to uh, churn it out year after year after year. Has Southern Miss, Rick, in your view, established themselves now as a credible national baseball power? Oh, I think. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt about it. I, uh, the early polls that I've seen coming out, I mean, way too early polls, really I'll, I'll have them in the top 20 this year. Uh, yeah, I think they've earned that place. Uh, you know, I wish, <laughs> you know, it'd be nice if all the pitching from that great staff last year was coming back. Right. Uh, because I think that if, if that were the case, that they would actually be a, uh, you know, one of eight or ten teams you could talk about as, as a, as a um, national championship hopeful. And I mean that. If they had everybody coming back that was supposed to come back, uh, you know, they would have been one of maybe, yeah, like I said, eight or ten teams that could win it all. Yeah. Or yeah. That would be favored to win it all. Uh, but it's uh, – you know, I, I think we can get ready for a lot more of that and as, the, as the portal starts to hit baseball like it's hitting football and basketball. Right, right. All right, uh, Kelly, get in here with uh, Rick Cleveland. Rick, good afternoon to you and Happy New Year. You, you, and, you and I and Bob Getty are few, a few of the sportscasters, writers in the state that were able to see Southern Miss make the evolution from the old Metro Conference, then to Conference USA, now to the Sun Belt. My, my pick for story of the year was Southern Miss's early exit from Conference USA into the Sun Belt as far as the long-term health of this athletic program. Fill in some blanks there for me. Your thoughts about, uh, about how big, if not short-term, long-term, that move will have. Well, I'm... I guess I've been writing about it for four or five years now that I thought that was a move they should make. Uh, what I would have really have, and, and basically that's what ends up ends up happening. It's been uh, with one or two exceptions, the best teams from Conference USA and, and the Sun Belt have combined. But I have, I've been writing for five, six, seven, maybe maybe even a decade, that the best thing for Southern would be a more regional league that um, where it becomes more of a bus league than a, than a jet league. And for the long-term financial health, and, and to get teams that, that, that Southern Miss fans identify with more than like FIU, FAU, UTEP, teams like that. And I think that's what what we're seeing and i think it's going to be really healthy for southern in the long term yeah luke rick i got a question about southern miss and then expand it a little further we haven't had you on since the the football season completed will hall seven wins in his second year a bowl win five points away from from nine how important was this second year for him and, and southern miss going forward well you know, I mean, from golly, from three and nine to uh, seven and uh, six is re- that's 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 progress. I mean, that's measurable progress. Uh, you know, I keep thinking and keep and I've written it too that that it could have easily been 
eight, nine, or ten wins if you had some stability at the quarterback position. You know, I go back a long ways in Southern Miss football history, and, and I mean, the times when Southern Miss has had great success in football, they've, they've had a great, not just a good, a great quarterback. And I, and I think you've got to have that. Um, I think you've got to have that to win. And I think they were a great quarterback away from being a nine or ten win team this year. I'll ask you in the next segment about what I was going to ask, but let me let me go back to Southern Miss. Frank Frank Gore Jr. Because um, we were Bob wanted to ask you this, and and Bob, you can go ahead and ask that question now on air if you want. Okay. To. Well, we the three of us were talking about who would who would be the athlete of the year at Southern Miss, and uh, the guys uh, understandably pick Frank Gore. I I thought Tanner Hall, uh, based on his performance uh, on the mound for Southern Miss and the U.S. National Baseball Team. Your thoughts? Who was the who was the best athlete at Southern Miss in twenty twenty two, Rick? Well, I'm I, I'm going to go because the team was more successful. I, w- I would go with Tanner Hall, uh, and and believe me, I I think just the world of Frank Gore Jr. and and uh, he gets more out of his body than any. <laughs> Than any athlete I've seen in a long, long, long time. Uh, he's a terrific player. He's been the glue through this this transition from um, into the Will Hall era. He he's he stayed the course when I'm sure he's had chances to leave. Uh, he's a great player. He's just a great little football player. Uh, but boy, you look at what Tanner Hall did for a team that. Uh, Beat LSU in its own regional uh, one forty-seven games. I'm gonna have to go with Tanner Hall. Yeah, oh. and, and you know, you couldn't go wrong with either guy. Is that fair to say, Rick? Oh no, I mean they're, 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 they are both, uh, you know, both terrific athletes, terrific players. Uh, you know, I don't. This basketball season doesn't really count on 2022 because it's the bulk of it's in 2023 before it's over we could be saying the same thing about felipe hostage yeah i think that's yeah. i think that's a great point right, we're talking to rick cleveland uh dean of the sports writers i always say in the state of mississippi and no to question. some of our younger listeners may not you know just to recap a little rick's story his father was the was the great ace cleveland who was a longtime sports Correct. information director at southern i understand Mexico. rick actually grew up in the rock at one point lived in the rock. We'll ask him about that when we come back. Also, uh, ask Rick to give us the top five sports stories in the state of Mississippi. Entire state, top five stories from Rick Cleveland. Other side of a short break, last Super Talk Eagle Hour of the year. So don't go anywhere.
You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. Hey, welcome back. Super Talk Eagle. Our very special guest today, Rick Cleveland, on the show with us. This segment is sponsored by Campus Bookmark. Campusbookmark.net, where you find your very best Southern Miss apparel. They're open seven days a week. If you're not in town, listening maybe in Macomb or Jackson or wherever, you can uh, go to the Internet. Kelly, you know there is an Internet. Campusbookmark.net and uh, pick out your apparel. They'll deliver it right to your house. All right, Rick. I know the guys have got some more stuff they want to ask you, so I want to get you to start this segment out and uh, and give us Rick Cleveland's top five sports stories of Mississippi 2022. Well, I had um, – uh, I don't think there's any question that Ole Miss winning the College World Series was the number one sports story in the, in the year because not only – that they did it, but the way they did it, and also just the way that Ole Miss took over Omaha. That championship game, they say that stadium seats 25,000, and if that's true, then 20, 21 or 22,000 of them were Ole Miss fans. It was uh, almost like a replay of the year before when State won it. I think the second biggest story, certainly on a national level, was the um, – you know, the sitting football coach at Mississippi State, one of the all-time characters of college football, Mike Leach's death, uh, it certainly on a national scale was the, would, would, would rank right in there with, with, with the Ole Miss winning it. And then, you know, third on a national scale, it would also be the whole Deion Sanders thing at, at Jackson State, uh, them winning the SWAC having an undefeated regular season and uh, and then him leaving to go to Colorado. Uh, I've got a lot, a lot of thoughts on that. We can talk about it if y'all want to. Want to. Uh, you know, number four, I had uh, the fact that Ole Miss was number seven in the country at one time, undefeated at 7-0. and uh, then, then Lane Kiffin uh, starts – talking to Auburn, and the team lost focus and then lost five of its last six games, including the bowl game. And my fifth story was the Southern Miss baseball success, winning 47 games, uh, beating LSU in a regional and, and then hosting Ole Miss in the Super Regional. Those those were my top five. Uh, uh-huh. You know, close behind, somewhere in there, would have to be the death of, of, of Ray Guy, who's one of the all-time Mississippi football legends. Uh, and, as I wrote at the time of his death, the, be- the best pure athlete I've ever seen, period. Right, right. And, and, and you guys teased going into the commercial break that, that in the history of M.M. Roberts Stadium, there used to be livable apartment units, whatever you want to call it, underneath the stadium and rick you you lived there for three or four years well it was the athletic dorm they called it the old rock and um uh, my my dad and my mother uh who worked at the university bookstore were the uh uh what do you call uh proctors of that dorm and uh so from the time i was four years old to the time i was seven we lived in it a uh, little two-bedroom, non-air-conditioned apartment. Um, a lot of times, my brother Bobby and I uh, would, uh, on really hot nights, we'd go pitch a tent on the football field. 
behind, which was our backyard. You know, you get a little breeze a little, anyway, huh? A little bit of air, you know. Uh, I wonder but, what uh, year yeah. those were closed up. I don't have any idea. They say that it's still, you know, that they're, it exists underneath there. They just don't use it for anything now. Fascinating. Uh, yeah, that's I'd love to go look at that little place. I mean, it wasn't. It was. It was a little bitty apartment that. Um, man, it got hot in the summer. I'll tell you that much. It, it may have been like when my wife and I first went to USM. We lived in what was about a three hundred square foot cinder block apartment, the married couple's apartments on campus. So. Oh, the Pine Haven. Pine, Pine Haven. Yeah, that's it. That's yeah. Exactly yeah, when right. I was yeah. when I was in school there they called it Roach Haven. That's, that's how old they were. <laughs> yeah, I mean it was yeah. but you know it was th- those were great times, man, and uh, living right there on the campus was cool. There's no question about it. Well that. let me tell you the um, when you, and and this a lot of your listeners will will remember this name. Nick Kalinske was one of my our main babysitters. Uh, the Nick Kalinske. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, we never we the, our playmates were the were the football players, and um, I remember one time Bobby stole my. We we both liked the chicken leg uh, when Mama fried the chicken. We. We'd fight over the chicken legs. Well, Bobby stole one off my plate. And I thought, well, what would my buddies down the hall said say about this? And so I just blurted it out, and I can't repeat it here, but but uh, I'll tell you this. A month later, we had moved over to Mamie Street. All right, Luke, get back, get it back in here. We got about the four minutes left. For the I want to make one comment, and then I'll ask you something, Rick. I was going back to the to the state um, stories. I always find it interesting that with all the Deion Sanders hoopla, what's get forgotten is that Jackson State played for the national championship two two years in a row. That's always like way down the list, you know, when we're talking about about Jackson State. So it's, it's interesting to me. But if we to, to follow up, you know, with with the the loss of the great Ray guy. You know these three names um, just as good as anybody. But in a three-month period, Southern Miss lost Corky Palmer, Ben Willoughby, and Ray Guy. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's three, three died-in-the-wool golden eagles, boy. You know, Corky and I were we were lifelong, lifelong friends. Uh, we were both. I mean, at a time when I was the catcher for Moose Lodge, he was the catcher for Coca-Cola, and he he was the all-star catcher in the National League, and I was the all-star catcher in the American League. <laughs> we grew up together, man, and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna miss him forever. You know, we lost another big Southern guy was my brother Bobby, uh, right? Yes, in, in uh, back in April, and uh, you know that. He was right. He he was right there with Corky and Tim Floyd and a bunch of other Hattiesburg buddies and I who grew up together on that campus when they were building Reed Green Coliseum. Um, when it still had a dirt floor, that's where we played our wiffle ball games. It was the best wiffle ball park of all time. <laughs> Boy, and, and you know, when all those guys passed away, we say this affectionately, Rick. Hattiesburg has had a severe shortage of BS. 
since all those yeah. guys. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> There's been some great stories. Corky could crank them up, buddy. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you what. I, I, I'll yeah, never Corky forget some of that. Bobby together, Corky and Bobby together, was, it, it, it was hard to get a word in edgewise. <laughs> last, uh, last question for me, Rick. But, but what did, going back to Coach Palmer, what did he mean to uh, to to Mississippi, not just baseball, but Mississippi sports. I mean, you would you would consider him to be one of the, you know, along with Hill Denson, uh, right up there as the most important figures in Mississippi baseball. Well, he was yeah. From you know, he went at every level, high school, he was a successful coach, junior college at Meridian, successful coach, Southern. Uh, when he when he played for Pete Taylor, he was the catcher, and he was he was like having another coach on the field, and that. That's a maybe a hackneyed expression, but with Corky, it was it was surely true. My lasting memory of Corky, though, will be when they made the College World Series, and they had the pre-tournament press conference, and you had writers from all over, and ESPN and the networks there, and boy, Corky just stole the show. He had he had everybody just hanging on every word. They couldn't believe the way he talked. They couldn't believe how funny he was. And uh, he just, he took over, he took it over. It was it was fun watching, you know, my old buddy Corky uh, being the star of the college baseball's biggest event of the year, you know. That was pretty cool. What a, what a fitting way for for that man to, uh, to end his uh, coaching career and uh, – I, I don't think there could have been a better ending, Rick. Well, there's only only one thing that could have made it better, and we all know what that is. Correct. But, uh, right. Yeah. But they they went and they all they, they had Texas on the ropes in the first game and uh, uh, couldn't quite get it done. But did they ever? It was it was a fitting way for Corky to go out, and uh, I know he's smiling down on on Scott and Scott Berry and and the way he's continued the program and. Uh, yeah, it's it's been a, it's been fun to watch. Rick, we couldn't have. You know, been... I, when I say that, I remember what it was like when they were ta- when they were putting nails in the wooden bats so they could finish the season back in the old days. <laughs> We've come a long way. <laughs> yeah, Rick, we could have ended the year a better way than to have you on our show. And uh, you you know you well, you never say no when we ask you. We're grateful to you, my friend. Well, I always enjoy it. Y'all y'all have a happy new year. Happy New Year to you, Rick. All right, take care. Rick Cleveland, everybody, on the Super Talk Eagle Hour. Basketball team's getting ready for a big big Sunbelt matchup with App State, and we'll be talking with the voice of App State on the other side of the break. The Eagles looking to go 2-0 in conference play. We'll break down tomorrow's game and also look back at last night's victory when the Eagle Hour continues in a moment. Here we go. To the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. All right, we want to thank Rick Cleveland, of course, uh, for spending half an hour with us. What a great way to end the year talking uh, to a guy that uh, 
I don't know, Kelly. There really could be no argument that he's the dean of sports writers. And, and, the, and the stories that he has, that some of those people that we mentioned that passed away, a lot yeah. of the great stories went with them. So it's yeah. good that Rick is still with us. Always know? amusing back in the heyday of the Clarion Ledger when he'd have those columns. And, of course, every, every sports fan of the state read them. And, uh, and then you'd have the letters to the sports editor. And they would be trashing him as an Ole Miss homie, as a Southern, as a Mississippi State homie. And here's a guy whose daddy was the SI here who literally lived, as we heard, in the football stadium and would spend nights him and his brother camped out on the football field. Can't make anybody happy. Yeah. Can't make anybody happy. Matt Present joins us uh, this segment of the program. He is the play-by-play uh Announcer, basketball announcer for Appalachian State. Appalachian State. Appalachian State. I apologize for that. App State. App State. That's that's the easiest way to put it. Who will be the opponent, the second Sun Belt opponent for the Golden Eagles Saturday afternoon? And uh, Matt, we we appreciate you coming on the show, and uh, we're we're happy to finally get to play you guys in something. Yeah, it's it's awesome to have you guys in the conference. Appreciate you having me and. Certainly, it's it's cool to see what a turnaround it's been for the Golden Eagles. But I mean, for our guys, it's a really tough start to the conference to to play the top two teams in the non-conference standings back to back to open it up. But uh, you know, certainly a very strong conference this season with with the new additions and yourselves included in that. We played a really tough Troy team last night. It was a physical basketball game. Uh, is that we think we're going to see? Uh, in the Sun Belt throughout, physical, tough basketball like what we witnessed last night? Yeah, I think you're going to see a lot of that. Um, I think historically, you know, over the last several years, the conference has really beat up on itself, and I think that's, you know, in terms of getting multiple teams into the NCAA tournament, not the best thing, but in terms of having a, a really competitive conference top to bottom, it, it's really fantastic. The depth of this conference, how competitive it is top to bottom, and there there really aren't any easy games in this conference, but I definitely agree that physicality is, is a hallmark of it. Luke, get in here with uh, Matt. Matt, let's, uh, let's introduce your, your team um, to uh, the team you cover to Southern Miss listeners. Coach Kearns, 54 wins in his first three years, and, and I kind of, you know, this year, the Mountaineers starting off their 500 as they enter this game tomorrow. What's kind of his M.O. On, on the offensive and defensive ends of the court? We'll, we'll start on defense because it's pretty much a pack line style defense. Uh, he hangs his hat on the defensive end in terms of what he looks for in players. Uh, you know, when guys come into this program and, and you can look at sophomores like Chris Mantis and Terrence Harkum who've become focal points to this offense this year, the reason they didn't play more as freshmen wasn't because of offensive limitations. It was really more so getting them up to speed in terms of the defense and the team defense uh, that this team plays. Offensively, it's really positionless basketball, um, which is pretty cool to watch. Um, If you guys are at the game, or for those of you uh, tuning in who are watching the game, you'll see a big man catch it at the point uh, to start a lot of possessions and kind of run through that, that big man initiating the offense to some degree. Um, so a lot of positionless basketball, a lot of versatility, and, and a lot more depth than in the last couple of seasons. Last year it was really a seven- or eight-man rotation, and this year 
They've gone anywhere from 9 to 11 deep from a, a rotation perspective per game. So it's a deeper team. I, I think, you know, to kind of perhaps answer your next question, the, the key is who's kind of going to shoulder that load. Um, Adrian Delph, who's our leading scorer last year, averaged about 20 points per game. He's now in the G League. And so the question becomes, okay, now you have kind of more of a, a team, but down the stretch of games, who has that ability to kind of take over? And I think that's something that we're still trying to figure out a little bit. I think Talking to, uh, to Matt President, who is the play-by-play voice for App State Basketball, will be playing the Golden Eagles tomorrow night. Yeah, to, to your point, um, Kelly, the, the Mountaineers only have two players who are averaging more than 10 points, but they have five others that are in the seven- to eight-point range. So, you know, kind of like, Kelly, what we've seen with the Golden Eagles, uh, any guy can get hot for the Mountaineers. Yeah, but I think what's what's really cool, Luke, about the similarities between these two teams, as Matt just mentioned, they've got a big guy that kind of starts things on offense, and I think you could certainly make that comparison to Felipe Hase at, uh, at Southern Miss, a big guy that can, that can shoot the three, can run the point if he has to, and I, I'm sure that the Mountaineers have know all about Felipe Hase. Well, and I would add into that, too, the similarities being the, the transfer portal, right? I mean, so much of the Southern Miss turnaround this season has been in bringing in those newcomers successfully. And if you look at App State, Tyree Boykin is a grad transfer, a Division II All-American last season, DeBaji Walker, a grad transfer, Jamel Pearson, a grad transfer. And so those three guys uh, through the transfer portal have, have all of a sudden made an impact in, in rotation players. And you know, it's interesting to see. I think we'll see it across the conference as the case around college basketball. But, it, you know, as I've told some other people who, who have asked me, it's kind of funny that we even go through the, the process of picking uh, a preseason poll because of the turnover in this conference especially. It, it's so hard to predict what a team is going to look like from the end of last season to where they're going to finish at the end of this season. Has there been any particular statistic that Coach Kearns and the guys are not real happy with at this time? I know Southern Miss has been particularly good at taking care of the basketball generally up to this point. Any glaring problems that the Mountaineers have had to struggle with themselves? That's a good question. I think um, consistency overall is something that they would point to. The last two games, it's really been rebounding. Marshall doubled us up on the glass last night. We've given up 14 offensive rebounds in back-to-back games, which I think is really disappointing for this coaching staff. But I wouldn't say that rebounding has been a theme since the beginning of the season. There have been games where there have been poor shooting nights. There have been games where it's been turnovers. And so I think it's really a matter of having a new team put it all together because there have certainly been – glimpses of it, a road win at Louisville, going toe-to-toe with Wake Forest wire-to-wire. I mean, you've seen this team have pretty pronounced peaks and pretty pronounced valleys, and so I think overall it's consistency more so than one particular area. You know, our coach made a comment last night about how the officials let these guys go after each other. Kelly and I were at the game. It it was pretty rough. It was pretty rough and tumble. Well, what was what yeah. was wild to me, Bob, is they they would blow the whistle on these little touch fouls, yeah. but then then there'd be practically fights underneath the yeah, and they yeah. wouldn't call it at all. So, Matt, was that was that just a, an odd night, or do uh, Sun Belt officials really let them go after each other on the floor like we saw last night? I haven't gone back and I watched the end of the game last night um, against Troy as we were 
busing to the airport. I caught the last five minutes or so. I, I didn't watch the whole game. I wouldn't say that there is a necessarily a commonality in terms of Sunbelt officiating in that regard. To me, the biggest thing that I notice in watching the Sunbelt from an officiating perspective is that on Thursdays, that first game of that Thursday-Saturday, because it's a weeknight and because there are fewer games, you tend to get pretty good officiating crews on Thursdays. Whereas on Saturdays, where all of the high major conferences are also playing, oftentimes the Saturday games are not officiated quite as well as those Thursday games. Well, well, Matt, you need to know this. You could have a 1,000 games in the Sun Belt, and there'd be better officiating in the Sun Belt than if the CUSA game was the only game in town. <laughs> we just need to – we're thankful. Or if you were playing a money game against an SEC team and it was too close toward the end. And, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I don't know how much time we have left, but I do want to touch upon that. What, what is it, Matt, with, with, uh, with Georgia Southern's hatred of App State? <laughs> That's a good question. I mean, it, it goes – both ways. I mean, our, our fans, our teams, we call it hate week, uh, especially on the football side of things. I think more than anything, it, it just goes back to the longevity of the rivalry. Um, both teams were a member of the SOCON conference before they came over to the Sun Belt. So I think being able to continue that rivalry as they made the transition to the Sun Belt is kind of where that comes from. But uh, beyond that, I, I couldn't tell you a whole lot about why it's so visceral matt we really appreciate your time man are you here now or you guys have you you guys probably haven't made it here yet correct no we are here um we chartered in last night after marshall um it's interesting i think in many ways the new conference and adding teams makes for better travel but of course with an odd number of teams in each division i think uh we kind of got the short end of the stick opening week from a travel perspective so right. we chartered uh from marshall to southern miss last night got in around 2 a.m and we'll have to uh get some rest today and get to practice this afternoon all right glad you're here safely i look forward to what we think will be an exciting basketball game tomorrow afternoon thank you very much for your time matt of course thanks so much for having me all right matt present play-by-play voice of the mountaineers that game at two o'clock uh, tomorrow afternoon in the greenhouse. And and if the Mountaineers happen to lose that game, he's already set up a, a good excuse for Mountaineer fans. The officiating on Saturdays is not it's as good. not as good. <laughs> when we come back, I hope we could take just a minute to talk about the women, too. They won a big game against the defending conference champion last night. Fourth quarter, come from behind win. Good for Jordan Lee McDowell. It's great to be yeah. a Golden Eagle right now. We'll be right back. Southern Miss to the top. Southern Miss and App State tomorrow, 2 p.m. in Reed Green Coliseum. App State coming in at 7 and 7. Southern Miss after defeating Troy last night, 12 and 2. More importantly, 1 and 0 in uh, the Sun Belt. Eagles led 26 23 at halftime and then uh, 38 
uh, outscored Troy 38-37 in the, in the second half. Leading the Eagles, Austin Crowley had 17. Felipe Hase with 16. Denaje Harris had 12 points, and then Pinckney uh, contributed 10 as well. 3,200 people there, right? Under 3,300 yeah. people there. Great atmosphere last night. Yeah, I, I really – and the students are out, right? From I mean, they're off on Christmas break. Had the students been there last night, you'd have had a really, really it nice – great, man. It got loud in there last night. Yeah, the third well, – no, the, the biggest crowd since 2019, I think they said. So. I heard Coach say after the game that uh, had we been playing that game Christmas holidays last year, we wouldn't have had 100 people in the stands. He said it was really motivating to those kids last night to see such a big and, and enthusiastic crowd. And I still think it's really classy of the guys, too. After the game is over and they sing their alma mater, the guys will disperse up into the stands and yeah. yep. sign autographs for the little kids and shake hands and take pictures and thank right. people for coming to the game. Good stuff. Yeah. Good stuff. And we should note that uh, just announced earlier today, the January 12th men's basketball game against Marshall in Huntington now moved to a 8 uh, p.m. ESPN2 tip-off. So good stuff. Right. Eagles will play a, a national game. All right, let's talk women uh, for a, a minute. Lady Eagles uh, get a big win last night. They they were down uh, going into the fourth quarter, outscore uh, the defending Sunbelt champions, get their first win um, of the year. They defeat Troy 77-2. Um, to 75, Dom Davis with 22, and uh, Grayson chipped in 12 as well. Uh, Bracey also with 13. Bob, you're really excited about this one. Yeah, as, as I, well you know, be. I love Joy Lee McNellis, and a uh, great quote. Uh, she said that we were down by nine in the fourth last night. Tell me, guys, if this don't sound like her. I told the team we could do two things. We could fight or we can roll over. That sounds just like Coach McNellis. They, Troy had the lead 24 minutes of the game. Lady Eagles had the lead for under nine minutes, and their biggest lead was four points with less than a minute to go in the game. Eight and four now, and the one and oh. And so, so the guys and the girls go, man, a thousand on the first night of a conference play. Now, if we can sweep South Al, that would be even sweeter, yeah, you know, because we yeah. finally got Troy. But good, but good night for. And real quickly, I want to mention to a good friend of ours, a Southern Miss. Graduate, a great athlete at Southern Miss, William Carey, head basketball coach, Steve Knight, picks up his 750th win. He is the winningest basketball coach, college basketball coach ever in the state of Mississippi. Congratulations, to Coach. Congratulations. Knight. And a shout-out to Pastor Greg Medenwald of Hattiesburg, who uh, tracked us down at the basketball game last night, says he's a regular listener to the Eagle Hour. Glad to have Good him stuff. along. Should mention Lady Eagles on the road in Mobile tomorrow at 1 p.m. You're talking about that sweep. That's why right. they're they're down right. there. There we go. All right, um, some bowls to pick, guys. Right now, Maryland leading NC State 13 to nine in the Duke's Mayo Bowl. Also, <laughs> uh, UCLA leading Pittsburgh seven to six and the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl. I like that. All right, coming up 2:30. Here we go. Notre Dame against South Carolina in the Gator Bowl. Irish five point favorite. Bob. Well, it is the Christmas season. So I'm not going to go against uh, the Irish. I like Notre Dame. I do, too. Not by five, necessarily, but I'll take Notre right. Dame. South Carolina, one of the hottest teams in the nation. They win. 3.30, the Barstool Sports Arizona Bowl. Ohio against the Cowboys of Wyoming. Ohio, three-point favorite. Mm. I'll yeah. take the Cowboys. Will you? Yeah, I like the Cowboys. What, are, what is, what is uh, Ohio, by the way? They are the uh, Bobcats. Like the Bobcats. Bobcats. Yeah. Bobcats. Yeah, I like Wyoming. 
Tonight, uh, I'll take, uh, I think I'll go Wyoming in that one. Tonight in the Orange Bowl. Orange Bowl, we're here already. Uh, Tennessee and Clemson. Of course, Tennessee without their quarterback. Clemson a four-point favorite. Well, without a quarterback, I think you have to like Clemson. Yeah, and I think by more than four. Yeah. Clemson, speaking of quarterbacks, we got one of theirs. Another one's hit the portal. I'm going to say Tennessee's going to find a way to win. I'll go uh, with Tennessee. All right, big games tomorrow. Big, big, big games um, tomorrow. Alabama and Kansas State in the Sugar Bowl to start things off at 11 a.m. Alabama seven-point favorite. Only seven? (laughs) Only seven. (laughs) Yeah, um well, no, I won't pick Kansas State. I'll pick the other team. I hope Kansas State wins, <laughs> but I'll pick the other team too. Yeah, I think the other team. The, the fans from the other team were rolling through Laurel yesterday. Same time tomorrow up in Nashville, the Music City Bowl, Iowa at Kentucky, a pair of seven and five teams. Iowa two and a half point favorite. Kelly, the over under thirty one in this game. Iowa can't score, and there's big big controversy because the head coach who's been there forever, his son is the offensive coordinator. They they want to keep the dad but get rid of the son. They can't score Iowa. I'll take Kentucky. Yeah, I have to go with uh, Kentucky as well. 3 p.m., the first semifinal, TCU and Michigan. In the Fiesta Bowl, Michigan a seven-and-a-half-point favorite. I would love – TCU is America's team in this deal, aren't they? They're going to get killed. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know that they'll get killed, but uh, – Yeah, Michigan. Got to. Got to. Okay. All right. right. Todd Munkin and the Fighting Bulldogs of Georgia tomorrow night against Ohio State. Georgia's six point favorite in the Peach Bowl. Georgia wins by two touchdowns. Georgia. That's a home game. Yeah. 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 No question. All right. That wraps up 2022. I want to thank very sincerely everybody that sponsors the show D1 Bat, Mobe Beignet, Fourth Street Bar and Grill, Campus Book Bar, Dickie's Barbecue, Southern Bank Core Studio. And many other sponsors, we're very, very grateful to you. Very grateful to our listeners as well. We'll see you in 2023. Luke will be out for a while. He'll be back, though. And until then, Southern Miss. To, to the, the top. top. To the sea. To the Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.